Dr. Glenn Whitehouse is an Associate Dean at the College of Arts and Sciences at Florida Gulf Coast University and Director of PAGES, a career program for liberal arts students at FGCU. He has been at FGCU since the university opened in 1997, both as teaching faculty in philosophy and religion and working the dark side as an administrator. Glenn was the co-host of a podcast that went to podcast heaven and is happy to be back at the mic today. It's so great to have you here today. Why, thank you. Uh, so I, I am so excited to talk about your program and sort of the work that you've been doing about understanding the career pathway, really, for folks with liberal arts degrees, because we are so much about STEM and and about you know what really makes a good career pathway, and you are just such an expert on this. I love talking to you about this stuff. But before we get started, I always like to start with kind of getting an idea of how did you end up in the position that you're in. What was your career pathway? Yeah, sure. Um, let me let me start with a story about that because I think that's um, it kind of connects with how I got into career education actually. So. When I went to college, I majored in philosophy. You know, I was—I uh, had the luck and fortune to uh, find myself at uh, New College of Florida, which is a fantastic school, still is. And uh, and so there I was. I was getting a, a sort of the classic liberal arts college education, taking a philosophy major. And um, but I would still go back home and work in the summer. So my father was a, a STEM person. He was an engineer, uh, the dean of the engineering uh, college at. UCF, and so one summer he got me a job working in one of the firms at the um, uh, research park, and it was a tech firm. And when I went in there, I was the myself and the receptionist were the only non-engineers in the entire place. Yikes! And uh, so for the first week, uh, I was for the first week my name was Gary's son. You know, so they would take me around and say, "Hey, have you, hey, have you met Gary's son? This is Gary's son," and you know, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, when I got to week two, I was actually I was actually considering quitting because I didn't like. I felt like they didn't know what to do with me, right? Yeah. Um, everybody there, like I said, was a tech person. But at the end of that week, the director came to me with this job, and he said, "Well, we had this report that we have to fill out, and it's a report that we use to get government contracts and to apply for grants. And this is something that shows the the impact of the research that we do here at this institute." Uh, none of the folks who were the principals at that place, and you know, the other folks who worked in the room, wanted to be on that project because it was a word. You know, it was a it was a report. It was words, and they were all engineers, right? Um, and so it, it came upon me, and uh, yeah, I didn't know a lot uh, technically about the kind of research they did there, but I had done many, many, many research papers. Right? Sure. I knew how to research a topic. I knew how to look things up. I knew how to do interviews. So I just set upon that project all summer long, and I, you know, I went in and I, um, you know, I, I interviewed everybody in the place and found out what they did. Uh, I read some accounts of the uh, of the work that was done at the place. I, you know, went to the economics department of the university and learned how to do an economic impact es estimation. Wow! All these kinds of things that were sort of my research and writing skills uh, from that I picked up in college. And at the end of this summer, I handed in this report to the director, and uh, I said thank you, and I, I went back to college. And later that fall, I was actually at a UCF football game with my dad, and we happened to be sitting right near the uh, right in front of the director of this uh, of the institute that I work for and his wife. And uh, you know, we saw them and we said hello. And the director pointed to his wife and said, "Oh, this is Gary Whitehouse, 
his son wrote that report I told you about. Oh. <laughs> so to me, like, and that's about the best promotion you can get in yeah. your life, right? <laughs> but to me, it was an interesting kind of, you know, in a, in a different life, right, I might have become a grant writer. Yeah. You know, uh, as it turned out, I didn't necessarily realize it at the time, but I was producing actually something very valuable for that organization, something that helped them get grants and helped them, you know, uh, perform the work that they did on government contracts and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I, I think in some ways that's kind of, I mean, I think in some ways that experience was in, in kind of the template of the rest of my career in some ways, you know, because I went into teaching, you know, I went to graduate school, I came here at FGCU, as a faculty member, you know, again, teaching philosophy and religion, which is a, a wonderful gig. Um, but, you know, the university was just starting out. Uh, we were doing a lot of uh, committee work and service things, all kinds of things had to be created organizationally. And, I, you know, I very often found myself in a committee uh, proposing something or writing a white paper or, you know, being the person who uh, drafted something up. And, you know, if you if you do that enough times, people notice that you have a, a skill set for organizational stuff. And eventually I got asked to be an administrator. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I think and, and that's what I'm doing now. Right. So now I'm the associate dean for uh, student affairs in the College of Arts and Sciences. Before that, I was a department chair. And, uh, you know, I, so I to me, like, I think that that's kind of um, it's actually one of the reasons I got interested in career education, because I think like my story is one that has been um, lived out by actually a lot of liberal arts majors, which is that yeah. you get you know you get an entry level job, uh, you apply that liberal arts skill set, the critical thinking, the communication, and somebody notices you, and eventually the right job finds you. And I th I think that is actually what happens to a lot of people with a li with liberal arts educations is that they walk into that entry level job and something uh, something in that skill set of theirs, whether it's communication or critical thinking or how to work with people. Uh, clicks, and then uh, that leads to them. It isn't so much even them finding the right job. It's very often the right job finding them because yeah. somebody notices their talents and has them move on. Yeah, so that is very true. I mean, I have a liberal arts education, so I, I had the same experience. Um, but I guess my question, the first question that comes to mind after I hear you say that and knowing what you do is, why do you think more people don't realize the skill sets that come out of or readily associate these skill sets that we hear pe employers saying all the time. People mm -hmm. don't know how to do, people don't know how to, you know, be critical thinkers. They don't know how to communicate. They don't know how to write. They don't know how to do all these things. Like, why do you think people don't associate that with the liberal arts programs? Mm -hmm. Well, I, th I think to a large extent it's because we're, um, we're the captive of names. You know, there's no, uh, there's no program. There's no major called critical thinking, right? right. There's no major called teamwork, right? Uh, there's majors instead called history and philosophy and English or sociology, and and those things, um, uh, those majors are the ones that do the best job of teaching people to have those skills, but they don't necessarily shout those skills out in their name. And so I, I think that's a big part of, um, I think that's a big part of the reason why, because. Uh, you know, in a lot of ways, elsewhere in the job market, we do kind of shout out uh, yeah. the vocational uh, destiny of our of our majors in the name of it. Like, the you know, we have a major called nursing, right? It doesn't you don't have to be a genius to figure out what job that leads right. to, right? <laughs> um, you know, it, it, the name just kind of shouts it out. But that is that is not the case for the um, for the liberal arts majors. The person who's going to major in history or English or something like that, it's not completely obvious uh, what they're going to do. And so, you know, I think. 
we don't necessarily recognize the skills because they're kind of invisible. You know, they're kind of invisible in the yeah. transcript. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we, we do. We need more education and more, um, I guess, more. Um, we need to be less shy about shouting out that, uh, yeah. that accomplishment. We have to make the invisible visible, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, you know, perfect segue. So what exactly, you know, I read it in your in, our, in the introduction. What exactly is the PAGES program? Sure. So um, PAGES is uh, it's a career exploration program and a career preparation program at FGCU. And it's exclusively for students who are taking humanities and social science degrees. So it's for people who are majoring in things like English and philosophy and history and sociology and anthropology and the arts disciplines like theater and, uh, and art. So uh, we really um, created something especially for that group of students and um, uh, really out of the conviction that they have uh, a pretty special and pretty specific career need. And, and it's actually tied to these skills, which is that that history student, that philosophy student who walks out with a really solid set of critical thinking and um, uh, communication skills has open in front of them a very wide variety of different jobs. Uh, and that's not necessarily uh, true to the same extent for people who take more sort of uh, career-focused degrees. Very often, again, like in the case of the nurse, the degree defines the job that you're going to look at. But that's sure. not true for the history or English major. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to create a, a program that really recognized that need and focused on uh, career exploration on the one hand, and then also uh, helping students get the kind of career search skills that would help them move along the way towards one of those jobs. Okay, so when you say career search skills, what what exactly does that mean? Well, you know, getting a job is itself kind of a knack, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you have to know how to do it a good interview. In order to do a good interview, you have to know how to actually talk about your accomplishments and your skills in a way that employers will understand and appreciate. Mm -hmm. um, you have to know how to network. And, you know, I think that um, to some extent, uh, liberal arts majors sometimes miss out on that in traditional programs because um, really it's, it's for the following reason, right? All those majors where they, they absolutely know uh, where they're going, like the engineering college or you know the health sciences college or the resort and hospitality school, they all know what their students want to be when they grow up. So because of that, they can bring in employers into the classroom. Sure. They, they know which employers to invite. And they can have these kinds of employer or job-focused events. And so the students pick up some of this interviewing and networking as they go along in that program. You know, kind of the dilemma, I think, for a liberal arts uh, college is that our students could go out and do 30 different things. Mm. So in a sense, who do we invite? You know, who, who do we bring into the right. classroom knowing that that might only be relevant to one student? So, you know, one of the ideas behind Pages, too, was to build some of that type of programming that already exists in some of the professional colleges to bring it into arts and sciences and to bring in those employers and those local professionals and the, the chambers and uh, you know our own alums who are doing fabulous things you know, bring them in and show our students those career pathways so that they can start to imagine themselves in those roles and make an informed choice about what kind of pathway they might want to take yeah so that makes a ton of sense, especially when you, because when you first start talking about it, you think, well, everybody needs to learn how to find a career. But mm -hmm. you're right. It is so much more, the, the skills that you actually acquire as a liberal arts major are actually more transferable, right? They can, like you're saying, they go to, a, they, could, they can morph into being an asset in a lot of different mm -hmm. employment scenarios. So it makes, it makes a ton of sense. 
So why, I mean, I think you've kind of touched a little bit on why, just in some of your answers, but, you know, specifically, why why did you all create the PAGES program? Um, well, we did it, again, uh, we did it to meet that career need for students. But, you know, frankly, we also created it because I think um, the liberal arts has a PR problem. You know, for the reasons that you just said, I mean, people don't necessarily know, they hope, uh, when you major in English, you major in history, you get the question, what are you going to do with that a lot? Mm -hmm. And um, I think a lot of times it's pure curiosity, but sometimes there's an edge to that question as if the answer is, oh, you can't do anything. Or, or maybe you can only do one thing. Maybe you can only be a teacher. And being a teacher is great, but it's very far from being the only thing you can do with a history or an English degree. So I, I think um, really beyond even helping our own students, I think part of the reason we did this was to uh, educate the public, right, and and make sure that the that the employers know and that uh, the parents know and the politicians and even our own trustees know that what we're doing in, in arts and sciences is, uh, is actually, it's very much career relevant. You know, what have you found about sort of trends for liberal arts majors and their, you know, their ability to sort of attain the career success that others do? Sure. So um, if you look at, uh, if you look at the career outcomes that liberal arts majors have, there's definitely a few main patterns, right? Um, and it, it kind of depends a little bit on some basic choices they make about their career path at the outset. So um, one career path that some uh, liberal arts students choose is the path of, uh, of going to graduate or professional school, right? And that opens up a very specific set of jobs. So that would be to become a professor, to become a lawyer, uh, to become uh, something, in, you know, something that requires, become a clergy, something that requires professional school. And, you know, the liberal arts have, uh, you know, always really been one of the most traditional ways to take that route because um, what it takes to succeed in those professions and to succeed in those graduate programs is to have strong writing and reading skills. And that's what, you know, that's what we teach. So that, that's one route. Mm -hmm. um, the other one for those folks who, who don't go to graduate school, um, what you find more than anything else uh, when you look at the data is... Um, a very wide dispersion of students into different kinds of uh, career pathways. And so I think when people hear English or history, really especially any of the ones that we teach in the public school system, the assumption tends to be that the, the route that they're going to go in is to become a teacher. Because, mm -hmm. you know, that's, you know, for the English student, if you think about literature as the, con as the subject area content of the English degree, English teacher is the one job where that subject area content, you know, is important, right? Mm -hmm. When you start to think in terms of skills, though, what you find is that actually a lot of liberal arts students go on to work in what we was, uh, what sometimes people call major business functions, things like management mm -hmm. and marketing and sales and human resources and public relations, you know, things of that nature. All those things that make an organization tick, you know, whether that organization is a corporation or a small business or a nonprofit, mm -hmm. public agency. But, you know, I, I think... Um, you know, I think it's easy to think that sometimes that those kinds of roles might, you know, maybe they're only for business majors, and it's easy to think that because obviously, you know, there is a major called management. Sure. There is a major called marketing. But, you know, I think some of those very common jobs that exist in the economy, you know, those kinds of management, marketing, sales, HR, PR, those are the, among the most common jobs for people. Yeah, they cross every yeah. industry. Yeah, they're, 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 and they're almost half the employment for people with a college degree. And uh, if you think about those jobs, though, I mean, to a very significant degree, those jobs are 
they're combinations of transferable skills. They're not so much the applications of specialized skills. If you think about what a manager does, and, and, and I'm a kind of manager, I'm an administrator in, sure. a, in a college, uh, most of what you do as an administrator or a manager is apply critical thinking, uh, teamwork, you know, oral communication, written communication skills. That's, mm -hmm. um, that's a very large part of what you do. You know, to a large extent, the rest of it is operational knowledge of uh, whatever it is that your uh, organization does. Mm -hmm. and the last bit is learning Microsoft Excel, right? But, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but you know, I mean, it's, it isn't something that you can only learn in the management degree. And again, I, I think sometimes uh, we're fooled by names. Uh, into thinking that 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 yeah. it might be something more specialized than it actually is, but uh, you know, to uh, what you find is that a lot of people from the liberal arts field do go into those fields, and so things like management, you know, show up among the f the four or five most common career destinations for pretty much every liberal arts major there is. Yeah, and sales and PR, you know, it's different uh, different combinations and different proportions depending on what major you're talking about. But those core business functions, combined with the teaching. You know, combined with writing professions like journalism and things of that nature, those are the things that typically show up uh, when you look at the job destinations of liberal arts majors. Yeah. Okay. Well, that and that's cool because that means that really the there are just so many options mm -hmm. if you go the liberal liberal arts route. But it, there is definitely a PR problem, and and then it's also being able to I think because of that PR pr problem that you mentioned. Uh, you know, it, it, the the major doesn't scream out to you what direction you where you what direction you should go or where you fit. Um, you know, I think it starts to become this question of how do you how do you show what skills you've acquired, right? And so, why don't you talk a little bit about the badging program? Sure. Yeah. So, um, badging is kind of a major trend that's coming up in higher education and FGCU is uh, jumping into badging pretty intensively actually so this is partially about pages and it's partially sure. not but yeah. so I'm, I'm involved in this project called FGCU digital badging and we're bringing this badging project to FGCU you know right now we're in the planning and pilot stages but over the next few years that it'll it'll grow to reach probably most of the students on campus in some way or another and basically kind of the idea behind badging is um, it, it kind of serves two functions, and we have two different kinds of badges for those two functions. Um, one of those functions would be the, the transferable skills function. You know, it's making those invisible skills visible. Mm -hmm. You know, again, uh, the problem with, uh, again, the problem with the transferable skills is that they don't appear on your transcript because they're not the name of a course. You know? Correct. Your course doesn't say critical thinking. It doesn't say teamwork. You know, it says, you know, intro to composition or, mm -hmm. you know, uh, calculus or something like that. So mm -hmm. part of the idea behind skill badging for transferable skills is to um, provide students with a pathway to demonstrate that they have those skills, uh, allow them to get assessed in it, and then get some recognition that makes that skill visible that they can then share to employers and that they can then weave into a compelling story, say, in an interview about how they have those skills mm -hmm. themselves. And I, you know, I kind of view that as that kind of badge is kind of the, um, I, I would call that the Wizard of Oz badge, right? Because if you think about, you know, like the, the Scarecrow, the Cowardly Lion, right? Um, their problem is that they, they already have wisdom and courage. They just don't know, you know, they're not aware of it. They're, <laughs> <Right>. they're not, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're not, they're not articulate about it and they're not aware of it until the end of the story yeah. when the wizard gives them the tokens, right? Yeah. And that, in some ways, that's what transferable skill badging is. The, the badging doesn't give you the skill or teach you the skill. It recognizes a skill development that's already taking place in your education yep. and just gives it a token that can make it visible to you, you know, both to employers and to yourself, frankly. Yeah. 
So that that's one part of it. And then the other kind of badging I would think I would call maybe last mile badging. And that would be, you know, if you think about, you know, the lingo of shipping, right? It's one thing to get you uh, to the distribution hub, and that's maybe 90, 95% of the distance. And then there's that last mile that gets you, yep. uh, the delivered truck makes. And I think that's also kind of an issue in higher education generally. And this isn't specific to the liberal arts. It's any degree, which is that um, degrees by their nature are general and jobs are, are specific, right? So there's always going to be a gap between whatever, mm -hmm. uh, whatever degree you got and the specific specificities of whatever employer and industry you're going into. So... The other kind of badge and the other function of badging is to help people move that last mile from a general degree into a specific job. And sure. so, you know, that type of badging would be things like introductions to particular industries. You know, so like we are doing, uh, have been last year and this year uh, piloting a medical device industry badge, for instance. And that's, again, designed to give students a specific pathway from uh, whatever it is they're majoring in school, and it's actually open to all majors, yeah. into an introduction to that job. Or, you know, you could imagine... Similarly, uh, a, maybe a, a badge that was tied to some specific career skill or career um, uh, procedure that you have to know, like budgeting or something like that. That might also be something that sort of bridges general college skills to specific workplace applications. So those are really the two, you know, the two major functions of jobs. It would be that sort of recognition of, of skills you already have and then kind of finishing off your education with some additional skills that would help you know, build a bridge for you from your from your um, from your college degree into a particular job. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense, and um, I think it's you know this is also this idea of micro credentialing mm -hmm. and sort of the stacking of micro credentials mm -hmm. or badges. Um, it, it you know we did uh, there is another podcast uh, in season two with uh, Mike Boost from Arthrex. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, he talked about some of the workforce issues that they have. And I, I imagine, you know, they're, they're a, a large and growing and successful company here in Southwest Florida that struggles to find workforce. And I imagine that, that having these sort of badges that are aligned around um, education and business partnerships in particular is extremely valuable because what you're basically saying is that you're taking away the need to train to do some of the training when you hire a new person right mm -hmm. so you know when you like you said you can come out with a, a variety of skills and even if you're an engineer you have to have some level of training to whatever it is that you're specifically mm -hmm. going to be working on and so and so it makes a ton of sense, and it really shows a high level of value for something that, at least with future makers, we're always sort of focused on, mm -hmm. which are these education and business partnerships. It's a great mm -hmm. example of how education can adapt to accommodate specific employment needs mm -hmm. if that partnership exists and if the employer is willing and able to come to the table. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I would also just add that that's that's a partnership that can really extend even after that student graduates. You know, and you know another part of this project would really um, have to do with having our own alums have the or or community members have the capacity to yes. come back to reskill to upskill, and that's that's really important because I think one of the things about you know there's a lot of literature out here uh, out on the future of what the people call the future of work. Yep. And one of the features of the future of, the wor of work is that the workplace is going to change rapidly throughout your lifetime. First of all, people are living longer, so you're going to be working longer, mm -hmm. and you're going to be seeing more change while you're working. And so I think 
the notion that you just uh, go to college for four years and that's the last you ever see the inside of a school, I think that's going to be less and less true. So yeah. I, I think it's really um, important for universities to understand that um, it isn't necessarily that they have to create to recreate the kind of core undergraduate training for people over and over again later into life. It's that they have to keep offering these kinds of bridge programs that help them adjust to changes in the workplace and help them pivot. You know, when a lot of these changes driven by technology or globalization or or whatever it is yeah. uh, come up. Lifelong learning, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And yeah. that's where this badging and micro credentialing just is so is so convenient mm -hmm. for that. And I imagine, you know, just given how many people wind up in the workplace one way or another, but maybe don't have a degree, I could see where if if and when I it is open to the community at large to get badges where that could start to add up to where you decide, well, maybe I will go ahead and finish my degree. Mm -hmm. Do you see that as part of, as like the flip of it? Yeah, I, I, I think that, I think that's a possibility. Yeah. I think there's always something to say for when, when people have some success doing mm -hmm. something that maybe they felt they weren't cut out for. Like, oh, I don't know if I can go to college or whatever, mm -hmm. but in, in fact, then they go and get a couple of badges and they're like, you know, maybe I'll, Maybe I'll do some more. Yeah, I think that's true. And, and I'll just say as a teacher that um, it's very often the case that um, uh, non-traditional students, people who are returning at a, at a somewhat older age than usual, are, are oftentimes uh, among the best students you have. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we talk to a lot of uh, so-called non-traditional students on this podcast, and mm -hmm. they're all so determined to mm -hmm. finish. Um, but they also, you know, face some challenges with their confidence. It's when mm -hmm. it's been a long time since you wrote a paper, it can be intimidating to go mm -hmm. back. Yep. So, <laughs> all right. So with that, I'm going to ask you, uh, what's sort of your prediction then of what the future uh, for liberal arts education is? That's a good question. Um, I really see... I mean, one possible future for liberal arts education is the one that I would really advocate for, um, would be one where we, where we do focus on adjusting and helping people ride through these kinds of workplace changes. And really, you know, I think the promise of liberal arts education, I think, was always that it was a good general degree to do a lot of things, right? Mm -hmm. Liberal arts, I mean, you know, th there's definitely things that you have to get a specialized degree to do. If you want to be an engineer, major in engineering. If you want to be a nurse, major in nursing. Mm -hmm. But I think the promise of liberal arts education has always been that this is a good, solid foundation to do a lot of different things. Um, I think we do have to be, uh, we do have to adjust to a lot of changes in the workplace, and we have to adjust to changing expectations, as you were saying. I think a lot of companies uh, that used to invest in employee training programs uh, don't do that anymore. You know, and so one of the reasons maybe we have to do these badges is because some of those six-month or one-year employee training programs that used to route people into corporate jobs from almost any degree no longer exist, right? Mm -hmm. So I think we have to adjust to that fact and, and offer our students more and more of those kinds of on-ramps to the job. But you know, I, I really, I don't think it's really necessary to fundamentally overhaul the liberal arts degree. Mm -hmm. I think 90% of what we're doing is completely, 90% you know, of what you're doing if you're taking an English major or a, or a philosophy major or a history major or a sociology major shouldn't change from what it was a generation ago. Um, because that kind of solid foundation in uh, picking up and developing those skills is, is, um, is as relevant now as it's ever going to be. Knowing how to read carefully, write precisely, and think clearly 
is not something that's going to go out of style or cease to become useful, right? What's going to change is the way that you apply those things, right? Mm -hmm. So I learned to write in college, but, you know, applications like, uh, you know, Microsoft Publisher, which I'm that's probably old already, but <laughs> <laughs> but you know those things didn't exist, but the writing skills did, right? right? So I mean, it's not like the core skills are gonna cease to be relevant. It's just you have to learn how to do them in a new package. So I I would almost take the ninety percent thing really literally. You know, I, I would if you had a liberal arts degree, you know, undergraduate degree is one hundred twenty credit hours. That's pretty standard. If you took ten percent of those twelve credits, four courses, and dedicated to them to things like internships and career education and maybe some uh, focus training in, in um, some of the skills that build off the liberal arts skills, like knowing how to do a really good presentation, building oral communication skills, you know, uh, making sure that they at least know how to use Excel and can do some things quantitatively, uh, you know, working in maybe things like a, a senior project or a really intensive service learning project where they did some organizational work. You know, a student who had that, even just for that amount of time, would be graduating with an incredibly powerful professional degree. And I, I think that that, to me, that would be a desirable future for liberal arts education, not to fundamentally change what we do, but to supplement it enough to really um, not just give people the preparation to do a lot of different things in the professional world, which is what we've always done, but to also um, help them open that door uh, to yeah. a greater extent than we did before. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. It's just, Again, it's sort of just ensuring that they know how to they know how their skills apply mm -hmm. to some career pathway, right? Or to some part of the career that traditionally we may maybe haven't included in the liberal arts education. I think that's smart um, because, you know, we're measured on how many people end up getting a job, right? And so I think that, and we want people to get jobs and we want people to stay here in Southwest Florida. I mean, mm -hmm. we have so many jobs to sure. fill here. So their ability to communicate and articulate and mm -hmm. demonstrate the skills and you know competencies that they've developed is, is really critical to that. All right, so with that, I mean, like what you've developed here, what you, what you're working on, and I I am a big fan of the idea of badges. I'm so happy that FGCU is is pursuing that. Um, you know, what do you want employers to know about the liberal arts education? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I guess I would, um, what I would want them to know is that um, uh, when you hire a liberal arts major, you're hiring for skills. You know, I, I think that hiring for skills rather than hiring uh, for a title is kind of a mindset shift, but it's an important one. You know, mm -hmm. I think, and you know, I, I think um, I'll just I'll just use business majors as kind of a um, an example because I think liberal arts majors and business majors are oftentimes in the same jobs, mm -hmm. right? And they both have strengths. You know, business major is going to have is going to walk out of school with more operational knowledge of specific business practices than the English major will or the philosophy major. Right? They're going to have more. They're going to be taking marketing classes. They will have done a business plan. There's going to be some things they know how to do that the liberal arts student uh, doesn't. Right? Um, but that business student is less likely uh, to have as advanced skills and some of the transferable skills like the writing and the critical thinking and the communication. Um, that's not because of anything magical about the degrees they're taking. It's just because the, the pedagogies that liberal arts majors typically, um, that dominate liberal arts classrooms, which are reading and writing pedagogies, you know, heavy reading lists and writing a lot of term papers, those have been shown empirically to be the ones that uh, develop critical thinking and communication skills. So mm -hmm. 
with the liberal arts students, you're going to get somebody who has a good set of developed critical thinking, writing, and communication skills. Um, they're not going to know as much about the business operation. So it's a trade-off, right? You could take the liberal arts person with a, a good set of uh, critical thinking and communication skills and teach them your business, or you could take the business major and try to uh, catch them up or teach them some, uh, some more about you know, giving a speech or writing a memo or something like that. I don't really think I don't really think the first task is harder than the second, you know. Mm -hmm. So, I think there's a lot of workplaces that could really benefit from having a mix of people with a business education and a liberal arts education. Sounds like we might have to think about how we write our job descriptions and our job requirements too. I mean, the, you mm -hmm. obviously don't control that, but maybe maybe the other message to employers is mm -hmm. then potentially potentially we're weeding out people before they even have a chance to show their ability to uh, qualify for a job because of the way we write mm -hmm. our job descriptions. Well, and there's been a lot of interesting work in this area. Um, I, I look a lot at, I look a lot at research from this company, MZ, which is a mm -hmm. research, uh, workplace research firm. I'm sure you're familiar with them. But they've done a lot with this notion of hiring for skills. And a lot of their research focuses around breaking down job descriptions and the skills and matching those skills to the to uh to, to things that people have in the workforce and i think you know what they do is fairly sophisticated but even if you do it um, at a much more basic level if you want to understand some of the skills that are important to a job uh, just go on look up a job on linkedin you know when you look up a job on linkedin one of the things that you can see is the skills that are claimed by other people who applied for that job Mm -hmm. And some of the and a lot of those skills, some of those skills will be technical skills, but a lot of them are going to be transferable skills. And you can see even there, even if the employer doesn't intentionally write down the skills, uh, you can see the skills of the people who are actually uh, gunning for that job. Mm -hmm. And you know, I think that I think though that hiring for skills and making sure, like you said, that the language of skills is in there, I, I think that would that would help a lot. And I guess the other thing I would say is that. Um, uh, Especially for employers in smaller organizations, you know, I think one of the advantages of um, being open to hiring somebody from a liberal arts background is that um, it's a kind of education that gives you a good all-around skill set. And if you're in an organization with, say, less than 20 employees, everybody has to be able to do a lot of things, yep. right? If you're, with tw if you're in a big company with 20,000 employees, you can afford to be specialized, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're in a smaller business or smaller organization or nonprofit, whether it's a company or nonprofit or whatever, everybody's got to wear a lot of hats. And I, I think those kinds of workplace environments really, I think, reward the person that has the all-around skill set. And I, I would just say especially to those kinds of employers uh, that I think, again, the English major, the FOSS major, the anthropology major, those would be people worth looking at. Yeah. No, it makes a ton of sense. It makes a ton of sense. So anything that you would want, you know, I know that a lot goes into winding up with a liberal arts degree and then getting a job. So then, you know, my last question for you will be uh, any anything you would want parents and students to know about liberal arts education as they're sort of thinking about the pathway? Sure. Um, yeah, I guess what I would want them to know, first of all, is that um, Again, there's a lot more to what it means to, ha to, to have a college education or to get a job than just what the title of your major is. And um, the other thing I'd want them to know is that um, if you take a liberal arts degree, you know, pe people take liberal arts degrees because they love it, mm -hmm. right? I mean, people don't, you know, like um, 
nobody nobody majors in English because they hate to read, right? Right. <laughs> you know, they they do these things because they love them, and I think sometimes we get so um, we get so fearful of the practical consideration of getting a job that it keeps us from doing what we love. Mm. And I guess what I would want the parent and the student to know is that you, you don't have to have that kind of fear um, because majoring in one of those fields is not doesn't have to mean uh, taking a vow of poverty, right? It, it does mean that you have to be a little bit intentional about seeking opportunities to learn about the different job pathways and the different job opportunities. And it does mean that you have to kind of learn to uh, explain your skill set in a way that an employer would understand. So it does require a little bit of work, um, but the rewards uh, from that work is, are potentially very great. And there's a lot of, plenty of people who walk from a liberal arts uh, standpoint to all kinds of fabulous careers. And, uh, you know, it just takes a little bit of, um, it just takes a little bit of gumption and a little bit of, uh, a little bit of help, I guess, to, uh, yeah. to walk that pathway. And that's really, I mean, that's really why uh, we created this Pages program in, at FGCU as really out of a desire to provide some help uh, with, to students to help them walk down that pathway. Yeah. Well, that is, that, this is such great information, and I'm, I'm so happy that you took the time to share it with us today. I'm so proud of FGCU for, for this effort and for your leadership, you know, in all things liberal arts um, as, a, as a person who comes from liberal arts myself. Um, so I just want to thank you so much for being here with me today to share, and I look forward to seeing what else you guys do. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.